Hello! Gladys here. Welcome to Stranger Turn Friend, a podcast where two strangers hang out for the first time and make magic happen. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about it. All right, enjoy! Perfect. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> that that was very easy. Um, you know, usually because like, yeah, because I don't pay for the subscription. Yeah, so I have the forty right. minute thing. I feel so bad every time we're like in the middle of the of the conversation. I'm like, sorry, like there's ten second countdown. We gotta hop out and and hop yes. back in again. Yeah. Um. But anyway, thank you for doing this on mm-hmm. such short notice. Um. No, it was perfect. It worked out great. Yeah, wait, what what were you planning to do on uh on this Sunday? Yeah, I usually just get reset for my week, you know. Um it really looks different every week, but I really like to just like take Sunday slow and kind of get reset, doing chores, getting set up for my week. Um yeah, I just You're like my so Sundays. Organized. <laughs> I am. I'm a. I'm an Enneagram one and also Virgo rising. So wait, <laughs> tell me go. again what that means, because like I only have a very brief understanding of like what uh what's that? Oh, the sixteen personalities thing. Yeah. So the Enneagram, um, I think the Enneagram is different than what you're talking about. The 16 personalities I'm not as familiar with, but with the Enneagram, there's nine uh, types. Like each number is like a type one, a type two, a type three or whatever. Um, and it's more of a like theory, I think is what it's used for. And there's so much there's so there's it's very hard to describe on like a surface level but essentially um each type has like their main characteristics and it focuses a lot on kind of like points for growth it's it's not as a sunshiny as some of the other personality tests that are like here are your strengths and stuff like that. So it's been a, it's been a really great tool for me to use to um, kind of identify and relate to people like that might be having similar experiences to me with my personality, but then also um, take the strengths perspective from that too and be like, oh, here's where I can grow and take this. But there's nine types and some theories say that like you're born as a type um but you can kind of fall into each of the nine types throughout your life it's not like you're strictly stuck to like I am a type one so these are the only characteristics I will ever have (laughs) yeah I mean you know like personalities are fluid and Mm -hmm. it's funny it's something that I like picked up uh in the last couple years I feel like throughout so I'm I'm 26 Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the first 18 years of my life, I've been like one type of person. And then when I came here, so I'm from Singapore and then mm-hmm. I came to New York for school and then kind of, you know, now I'm working. Um, and then I feel like the last couple of years have been where I've seen like most of my personality kind of change so much over time. Yeah. Um, which I think people usually would describe that kind of in your early 20s mm-hmm. to like, pretty much like the rest of your life <laughs> I, I feel like that's where the the change starts uh picking up momentum yeah. um but wait so now I'm curious what does your anagram tell you <laughs> yeah mine personally yeah yeah um so anagram ones are called like their name is like the reformer or some versions um are called like the perfectionist uh, as an Enneagram one I don't identify with the perfectionist label <laughs> just from a I think that I would be described as a perfectionist but I think that that is not encompassing of what like it accurately is um yeah so an Enneagram one is like has a very loud inner critic 
and they are really um, kind of like justice oriented and um, they're kind of guiding uh, motivation is to be good, quote unquote, like morally good. So that means that kind of their like deep rooted fear is being a bad person. So that's kind of like what they have to overcome here. <laughs> I know um, I'm I'm like playing attention to what you're saying yeah but also oh my gosh there's a yeah, little we, tail coming out of your <laughs> yeah we have a guest star over here oh I oh love my that goodness. What, what's what's his name her name's River River I love that yes yeah she's a stage one clinger truly I love but that's okay <laughs> How how did you come to that name kind of taking attention but <laughs> yes yeah um that's a great question. I don't know. I feel like I am that I'm that white girl in that aspect where I like the like nature names or like I I have another cat and his name is Floyd and so he's just kind of, I kind of like the like grumpy old people names or like the nature name for whatever reason. So we just kind of landed on river but I, I I love that. Like <laughs> I I personally feel very connected to water, which I think a lot of yes. people do. Yeah. And yeah, I I recently like picked up hiking, you know, before the winter mm -hmm. and yeah, like rivers, the kind of the sound, the vibe of it just like yes. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's no. It's so yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. I think body of waters are definitely a big part of like grounding for me and yeah. just like kind of like slowing down my mind. Like when I um a lot of the times when I meditate, it is like picturing a river and like my thoughts like passing me in the river. And I've never like made that connection, but yeah, definitely, definitely significant to me as well. I know you're you're in like California. I'm in Oregon, but yes, Oregon. Close. Okay, okay. So you are very close to nature a lot of the times. Yes, yeah, yeah. I actually moved out here from Iowa, and Iowa is very, very flat and mm. beautiful in its own way. I always say the the best sunsets in the entire world are in Iowa. But in terms of nature, quote unquote, there's not a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> but out here in Oregon, you literally can drive thirty minutes, and you're like hiking up the side of a waterfall um so yeah it's been it's been great to be out here and connected to nature in that way I am very jealous because I'm in the city and <laughs> I can't drive yeah so anytime I want to get like any semblance of nature like mm -hmm. central parks <laughs> central parks kind of like my only thing and even then like I remember I was watching like a video and someone was like New York City is just like a crowded room just everywhere you go even yeah. even like outdoors it's just packed and you know you can't get you can't get that kind of space um which reminds me I need to take my driver's license uh <laughs> kind of sometime soon but yeah do you have your license or you're working towards it I don't have it and I'm not okay. working. I like I I've, I've been having this conversation for like years mm -hmm. and it's gone to a point where I I just have to do it, Joe. Like, I just, just got to yeah. do it. I mean, <laughs> do you have to really? Or is it just like a point for, where you're for like... For my hey. own mental health, I think I, I think I have to. Okay. Um, But no, like, honestly, like the Metro North is such a good, you know, like just easy public transportation yeah. to, to get out of the city. So, um. Yeah, can't can't really complain much. You know, I'm not like totally isolated from. Yeah, no, but it is one of those things. So my co-host and I on my podcast, we both grew up in Iowa and it you can't not have a car like there's no public transportation. There's just no like you have to be driving. Yeah. And so I think we just like grew up that way. And we're both in cities now where like you definitely like it's easier to navigate with the car, but you don't have to have a car. And we're like, I don't like I don't it's just so it's so connected to how you grew up. I'm like, I don't know if I could never not have a car. That would just be so strange to me. <laughs> but then I think about like if I never grew up with one, I would love to not have the responsibility of like driving and the maintenance Spence and things like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
yeah anyway that was that was a, a tangent but that let's, was... go back, let's go back to the <laughs> the enneagram one wait so, sorry so you were talking about how kind of perfectionist mm-hmm. personality yeah yeah i i think the main things that the enneagram one really identify with are just being super detail oriented but being able to attribute that to a larger picture and so a lot of the times like having an enneagram one on your group project or to have an enneagram one come in with like fresh eyes is so beneficial because they're able to be like here's this detail this detail these detail let's let's move it this direction to get to our common goal of this big picture that we want to create so there's strengths there's also um definitely Enneagram ones definitely struggle with like resentment and like anger um I, I sense of, the personal like <laughs> yes like personal association and like identification with that yes yeah yeah so strengths and weaknesses you know but I think um I don't know I love it I love it I think that it's hard to be an Enneagram one but I think it's hard to be a human being in general <laughs> no for sure and, you know, I think like one thing I'm I'm noticing, I, I mean, we're talking for like, what, seven minutes, but <laughs> I get the sense that you're very self-aware mm. um, and that's and like, I, I mean, it makes sense. Like you run like a mental health focused podcast, which I think tends mm-hmm. to be kind of the nature of the, the people who do that. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, like, it's amazing. You know, I think being able to take a step back and just be like okay you know there's it's not like a binary thing like there's always Mm -hmm. gray areas but being able to see what you love about yourself and then also some of the some of the things that you can kind of work on yes um but on an overall level um did you kind of go through this kind of I don't know it was like a journey but I guess journey of reconciling like the the two sides <laughs> right like strengths and weaknesses and mm-hmm. trying to work towards um becoming okay this is another tangent I'm so sorry I'm just kind of no we don't I'm, apologize I'm, like, I love up on coffee I love that <laughs> there's this thing that I, I I've been wrestling with which is like um this whole point about like making yourself a better person yes like who is the person who is trying to make yourself better because doesn't that person need to be better themselves no I love the way that you frame that right you're like I'm and I this has been on my mind uh recently too I have been I've this last year of my life I've been trying to get uh just like a diagnosis for this chronic illness that I've been experiencing and I've been so focused on um like get a diagnosis get an answer get a treatment plan try this cross this office list just so focused on on like betterment of my physical health and I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, I've triaged. I know that I'm not dying. And so at this point, like, I just need to like right now accept where I'm at in the moment. And like the betterment that I'm at now is being okay with where I'm at. Like in just like that self-compassion and that like like nurturing my body as it is in this present moment um and less so focused on like improvement and urgency and answers and so I think that in life there's seasons I'm rolling my eyes as I say (laughs) that right but but it is true like there are phases that we all go through yeah I think um I love how you kind of separate the two you separate like the person that you are improving and like the voice that is telling you that you need to improve. And I think that that's a strength in its own to be able to separate the two and kind of take it, take a step back and like depersonalize it a little bit because maybe you do have the resources in the moment to kind of take in more information and more feedback and like take steps towards goals. But then also maybe it's just like responding to that person who's telling you to be better and saying like, I'm okay as I am right now. Like I'm good. (laughs) Thank you. 
<laughs> and I don't know if you noticed this, but like, I I realize it's like the more I tell myself I need to be a better person, mm-hmm. the more like that resentment builds, and it's just it devolves into this like self hatred, and it's just yeah. like, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But then, like, but like the paradox is that if I'm just like, yeah, like I'm doing fine. I just have to kind of trust the process and just keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then magically, without little effort, I become the better version of myself. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think pressure, I think pressure is almost always a detriment. I don't think that we need to freak out that it's like making us sick and ill and and I don't think that we need to stress about pressure but I do think that we can understand and recognize that you don't really grow under pressure you grow when you're in relationship and that includes relationship with yourself like like the harmony Yeah, you wouldn't want to be in an external relationship with somebody who is always trying to change you. So like, why is that the relationship that we have with ourselves? Yeah. And and kind of thinking about like, you know, first, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you have like a chronic illness. Was it something that you found out um, most recently or? It is just, you know, um, it's like kind of hard to pinpoint a start place mm. um, and because it's like it's like affecting just like my whole body and all these tests keep coming back uh like normal or within range or whatever the heck you want to whatever term you want to use in western medicine but um yeah I just uh, kind of a bunch of different things happen like I used to be uh super active like working out like five to six times a week and then um like I couldn't even run a 5k which is really abnormal for me all of a sudden and then just like um like didn't have any energy and then working out at all became super painful so just a few things that I was like over a span of a few months I was like hmm let's kind of ignore this sign but then like they all kind of like came together and I was like oh (laughs) something's going on yeah yeah it yeah Yeah. it did it doesn't even sound like it's like a gradual thing I mean sure there's a couple months but like that's such a 180 yeah it was weird it's weird I'm uh we I have a great doctor who even though don't feel like there's answers I feel like very hurt out and like there's there's uh yeah it's just very important to find people who listen to you and and so yeah I feel like even without answers I'm in a much better place with it than I was a couple months ago even that's awesome. Like, proud of you. That's, that's, <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, it's so hard because, like, especially with something that you that is not vi- visible, mm-hmm. right? even though you are feeling like physical pain. Um, I I can imagine like people would be quick to dismiss it, almost mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, you're you're like just imagining things and yeah, kind of writing it off as like a little phase that's." that will magically just disappear by itself but um it's it's good that like you know I I hope that you have a good support system it sounds like you do yeah yes no I my support system is truly the best it's so funny what you say though like people uh writing it off I I you know I don't I think there's a lot of different sources of that but I've had uh I'm very 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 open about my mental health I always have been Um, but I've had people say like, well, don't you think like your mental health is just like exasperating your physical symptoms? Like, don't basically like, don't you think it's all in your head? (laughs) And my response is always like, no, like I know my brain pretty well. And like, of course the physical limitations is it makes my mental health exasperated, but like I've, I honestly haven't ever been in as a good of a place with my mental health as I have been this year. Like I've gotten really close with my brain. So so nothing much has changed. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So no, thank you. It's not all in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I, uh, I mean, you seem like a very patient person. I personally (laughs) probably (laughs) would have responded a lot differently. Um, but I think one one thing I realized is like 
you know, people's opinions tend to be kind of projections of themselves. Yes. And so, all right, you know, you can't really fault them for not being, you know, as aware as you Mm -hmm. think they should be or uh, not being as knowledgeable as where they should be. Um, But yeah, wait. So going on this mental health thing. Yes. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, like, how young are you or old? <laughs> However yeah, long. yeah. I'm 25. Okay, so we're about the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, when did this, uh, like, meant like recognition that oh shit, like mental health is like a really important, if not the most important thing, like a person should take care of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think that it's just always been such a prevalent theme in my life. I am just very, by nature, very, very, very introspective um, and very, have like a very vivid internal life and thought life. Um, So I think by nature, it's just in my personality. But I also grew up in a house where mental health men mental illness was very prevalent and impacted a lot of like just my stability and instability that I experienced as a kid and so I think that it's always been this thing that I was faced with um and grew up in a town and just like a region of the United States that don't really acknowledge mental health um and so I've always kind of had to be this like advocate for it in a sense even when I wasn't understanding it myself um so I think just by nature and by means of survival like it's always just had to be very important for me yeah it seems like your environment like played mm-hmm. a huge role I I think for me it was like very insidious in the sense of like uh you know I'm I'm Asian like mm-hmm. I feel like in our culture uh, mental health is secondary compared to kind of you know the the more quote-unquote like practical stuff right mm-hmm. of like focus on your career and, and whatnot which I totally get I think it's just my my family and like my my grandparents like came from a place of scarcity like they were always trying to just survive yeah. uh and so it like crept up right it's like you never know that this thing in your brain is like actually so important and overflows into the rest of your life until I'm like my 20s and I'm like oh shit when I get like kind of take a step back and be like oh actually you know a lot of the stuff that I thought uh that that I got from my parents was like oh we need to do a little reversal of the of the stuff that is important um, and kind of rethink through that Yeah, I think that is attributed to what you kind of mentioned about like the invisibility of mental health. It's so much safer and more comforting to be able to have assumed control over the things that you can see and do like, like your job or your success rate or even your physical health, like being active and exercising and eating right. Like the safety in that is that you can control those things. But something that you can't see, it's very hard to understand and very hard to control. And that's very scary. <laughs> yeah, I I can imagine that. If you don't mind me asking, like, how did that kind of manifest in your environment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, similar to your experience and just speaking on generational trauma, Um my family like my ancestors (laughs) came okay we're going far back yeah I think that it I think that's what it comes down to you know there's so much generational trauma in in my lineage um just like did you do like the 23 and me I think I did I think I did one of those okay I did ancestry um but even going just like which I'm very, very white and my ancestors are like not great people, but even going back. I I love how you're like subtly apologizing for (laughs) this is my apology to her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it, it is interesting too, though, because like my 
grandparents and my great grandparents um, very much were Americanized. Like we didn't like when I came home in elementary school and was like, mom, like what, like where are my ancestors from for, for a homework assignment? Like she literally didn't know. And it was like, like we, I think mainly are like German and Dutch, which Dutch isn't even like a real thing please don't cancel me Dutch people but like it's okay like, no one listens to to the show so <laughs> you're fine <laughs> but like or I yeah anyways but like our German our German uh history or whatever like there's just no connection to that like we very much are the like like we came over and we're a farming family and like just like nothing's talked about it's all about working it's all about the farm it's all about like like I I I do not like my family my my uh nuclear family does not have a farm anymore but the farming like mentality like it takes up like it's like sun up to sundown and you're exhausted and you're like fighting like there's just there's no time or desire to like sit down and talk about your feelings. Like you have kids and they work on the farm and then, then you like send them off and they have like, they get with bad partners and have kids and like are, you know, like the mental health of like a housewife and who doesn't, who doesn't have room to talk or like be seen. And then that gets passed down to your kids. And then those are my parents. <laughs> And it's, so it's like, just okay. very patriarchal all around. And yeah. um, what's the word? I don't remember the word, but but basically it's like being born into you know the like your ancestors' time, mm -hmm. you basically like lost the life lottery almost. Yeah, I don't and I think everybody has a version of right. what they go through in it, but interestingly, like my my family isn't like it's definitely attributed to like the patriarchy but the men in our family are actually like like almost everybody has been divorced almost everybody has had an abusive partner that they've had to escape from like an abusive male partner that they've had to escape from um like there's just not there's this there's this like archetype of this like strong silent woman who like just wants to be coddled but can't like who just wants to like be soft and like be taken care of and just for generations like can't um and so I think that that manifested a lot and for my mom and um like calling in poor partners for her too and so then like my dad is just pretty absent and struggles with his own substance use. Um, and then my mom just has been having to weather like these generations of, of trauma. And so that, that manifests a lot as various mental illness. And then um, I'm just like a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was, and like, yeah. I can't imagine, you know, I, yeah, man, <laughs> Because, like, you're describing your ancestors' mm -hmm. lifestyle, but it's very much real for you. Like, it's very direct. Like, you're, yeah. you're a kid in this house with um, different kinds of abuse going on. And mm -hmm. did you say, you, so your mom tends to be around people who are kind of like that? <laughs> Yeah, I think, and you know, like my, I will, like my mom deserves so much credit. Like she definitely wanted different for her kids than she had. And so she definitely, um, like, yeah, definitely like kind of changing the narrative, um, but just didn't really have the tools to like process through things um, or like the desire to, or the awareness to. So um, yeah, my dad my mom and dad got divorced when I was younger and I was very thankful for it because it was just a chaotic environment that they had created between one another um and my dad just not super emotionally available dealing with like substance abuse and then uh my mom just kind of like reconciling 
um, just like her traumas and then had tried to kind of counterbalance that through this marriage that she put a lot of time and effort in that was just not sustainable. And then she just kind of checked out after the divorce um, and really just like kind of had a mental break. So then that just like brought up a lot of anger and frustration and, and kind of, I was very like parentified at that point and had to grow up super fast. And then, you know, years later, we have, we've done a lot of work on our relationship and have definitely like gotten to a place of like repairing and like growth from that. But those themes are still present, you know, like you can't, you just kind of act on instinct after you've both been through something like that together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like so ingrained in Mm -hmm. the way that your behavior works. And I I feel like a lot of, as you grow up, it's just kind of trying to reverse a lot, a lot of that trauma that you built up over the years. Um, wow. Okay. That is wildly different from the way I was brought up yeah yeah sure no I mean um to be honest like this is probably a good thing but I don't really remember most of my childhood because I think it Mm -hmm. was just so normal and like average and Mm -hmm. and um but you know I I think like when I think about my mom like if I could be half of the woman that my mom was when she was you know she had my brother um when she was uh, kind of going through part-time school and then she had to balance mm-hmm. like work. And and then my, I think my dad was also kind of going through university at the time, taking his master's or something. Um, and yeah, it's just, she's like the ultimate kind of, you know, superwoman of yeah. that, like the, the, the sweet spot of like that nobody ever gets to, or it's so rare to balance um, between family and work. So mm-hmm. Uh, but kind of similar to what you're saying, like, I th- I think my mom also never let herself feel or process things, or maybe she does. She's just really good at like not showing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like I think I'm pretty sure my brother will say it differently because he's he's a little bit older. But I've never seen my mom cried only until her mom passed away. Mm. And even mm-hmm. then, that was like pretty, pretty recently. Yeah, um, and it was heartbreaking. I mean, you know, one is the the tragedy that is her mom passing away, but like, second is like she's bottled up all of these feelings for so long. Um, yeah, and yeah, I know. I yeah. <laughs> I'm like getting yeah. a little sad, and it's funny because like I'm actually going back to Singapore, in right, right, days, um, yeah, to go see her and my parents and stuff. So it's I I always think back to like eh, I think I could have been a better daughter, but I was like kind of absent like the last couple of years because I was so focused on work and stuff, mm-hmm. and I always use the excuse of like I'm so bad at keeping in contact over text, and so I just don't do it, and mm-hmm. then we have those occasional calls, but never uh, often enough, so yeah, so, yeah, and, and she's yeah. getting like so old, like you, oh. can, you can clearly tell, like it's been like seven years since since I came here, and Mm-hmm. man like all the rink like you know like she's beautiful but you can I can tell like she's slowly aging and it's like oh, I need a I need to spend more time with her yeah yeah yeah, yeah and I think we uh, I think we like constantly play out these roles with our parents of like of like being the kid and the parent and then to like be physically faced with aging is just like it it takes you back because it's not where you're at mentally it's not the role that you're playing mentally but I yeah I think that too I'm always like it's kind of that it's kind of that uh like that idea of that person who's like you need to be doing better you need to like be like improving but it's like the like this is where we're both at in our in our life like maybe we're not as frequently connected now but like can I rely and trust on this bond that we've built and like Mm. this knowledge that like I am so loved and I love them so much and like they know that it's just yeah it's that hard balance of like 
they don't like as parents they don't want you to be constantly checking in on them like they want you to be living your life like they like that's the whole point of raising you into a capable human being but it's also like oh my gosh like I just like I have so much love to express towards them like I don't like I don't know how to be doing that to the capacity of this love that I have for them yeah that that's a good point and then and then kind of kind of touching on my dad as well like I think you know he uh his his parents passed away when he was pretty young I think when he was Mm -hmm. 18 and he's always had that responsibility as like the male of the family to Mm -hmm. you know take care of everybody and I think yeah I think and I think that also manifested in terms of like like anger like he has terrible anger issues yeah gotten a lot better at um so you know I'm very proud of him but like oh man it's just a lot of trying to reverse the shit that yeah picked up along the way yeah yeah Um, yeah I don't but but anyway I I was kind of curious I wanted to ask a little bit more about when you were talking about like mending the relationship with Mm -hmm. your mom Mm -hmm. um that is not an easy thing to do like were you I guess you had to like take the initiative to reach out to her or was it kind of the other way around no oh my gosh I would love to get my mom's perspective recorded of this sometime in my life because I would love to like sit down with my mom and and just like interview them (laughs) I am trying I'm trying to get my mom on my podcast so so badly she is not interested in it because she <laughs> again I'm going to talk about the Enneagram yeah she's an, she's an Enneagram nine and they are the peacekeepers so she just loves harmony and if it's not harmonious then she's just gonna look away and go into her little dream world so even if it's fake even if it's fake yeah. especially if it's fake but that is me passing judgment but no so I think that the important things to take into the story are I'm an angry person and (laughs) I am not a person who I must see something, say something person. Right. And my mom and I, when I was young, we were so bonded. Like we were like, I'm the kid out of all my siblings. I'm most like my mom. Um, My like, we were just like, besties like I just loved my mom and she definitely like we just had this like very special bond and I think that um like it's very hard to describe we just had this very special bond and so when she just like checked out and like stopped being the person that I know her to be I was pissed (laughs) I was oh, so okay. mad. I, I didn't know like the, that the checkout phase yes. was. So you had a taste of what it is to have a yes. present mom. Yes. Loves yes. You. Okay. So yes. that is very jarring. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, like, I think some of that was fake, like this, this world that she manufactured for us, but what parent doesn't create some better superhero like facade to put in front of their kids you know I'm not faulting her for that but I do think I think it was very real we were very close um and I do think some of it was a facade but when she checked out I was I was pissed and I have always been my own authority figure like even like you never looked up to anybody no no (laughs) and that's not Joe and Joe alone Yes. And that's not exactly true. Of course, I admire people and look up to people, but I definitely am like my own rule maker, my own like lawmaker. Um, and so I had the audacity. I was like, you, what is happening? Like, this is not okay. Like you have responsibilities as my parent. Like, where the fuck are you? Wait, this and- is when you were like 12. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh Which- my God. If I had half of that. Uh, which is not surprising yeah Yeah. not surprising to anyone in my family I've always been that way um like and yes it's and I used to be a lot less tactful with my words obviously as a kid obviously as a teenager but I definitely like like 
like my, my dad is my dad is definitely afraid of me because from birth I've like said what nobody else will say because like and not always in a nice way back then I think I'm very tactful and kind now you have but been- not not, you have not grown then. and progress over yes years. yes um but maybe the best way to say it is I think that there is a version of myself that people are always going to be intimidated by because it comes out so anyways I'm pissed at my mom we're getting in fights like teenager fights teenager parent fights but like the content is heavy I'm like who the fuck do you think you are like to check out like you need to yeah like just yeah horrible 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 get back here (laughs) yes yeah like horrible fights you guys um and then and then I kind of got into a phase where I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm done with this. I'm going to be out of the house as much as I possibly can be. Like, I'm going to parent my younger siblings in the best way that I know how. And outside of that, like, I'm going to just be totally out of the house. And so that happened for a few years. And then my senior year of high school, my mom was like, and this is me speculating, but in my head, my mom was like, oh, shit, like, I might like she's gonna be gone next year like let me mom again so my senior year we kind of just like swept everything under the rug almost like there were definitely like like explosive fights here and there my senior year but like basically like it was like almost having my mom back again but in this very weird like there's some unspoken unresolved stuff behind us but she's like hanging out with me and like coming to my events like my extracurricular events and like whatever but like in the back of your mind was there always this thing of like what is going on here this seems well in the back of my mind there's always resentment like like what is your problem like are you just not gonna apologize like are you just gonna like you're just gonna go into your whole world and like not acknowledge any of the shit that you've like caused but you never like explicitly asked for an apology not at this point okay no I'm because skipping I was ahead. Like, yes, because I was like, no, what is your problem? Like, I'm the yeah. kid, you're the mom. Like, you should apologize to me. Right. Um, so then I go to college and I have a really, really, really tough like mental health year. Like, just like super like worst depression I think that I've had, just like really tough. So it was kind of like triaging. And I would like go home on the weekends and like I just needed a lot of like like almost like critical support if we're like triaging it and so that year was just almost like survival like survival mode so like nothing really got resolved or even talked about but then I transferred schools and I started in the social work program and I like had the resources to like kind of dive into my own mental health and I started counseling and my mom would get brought up a lot in sessions during therapy and so I was like once I was like okay like we're not just gonna not talk about this like I'm just not that is not I'm not able to do that even if I wanted to do that like I'm not physically capable of keeping my mouth shut yeah I was so gonna then see, it's like I've I kind of feel that connection in the sense of like I'm somebody who I'm like elephant in the room I cannot talk about anything else I'm yes address this like yes talk and about it makes mental no illness sense to no. that is how it like I guess yeah that's how it develops right like yes the whole thing with mental illness is because you're not able to convince anybody else that your reality is yes valid and so it it becomes this like weird manifestation of right well I'm like how are you people how are you people and this is not just my mom this is anybody but I'm like how are you living in a fake reality like I don't understand it like I'm like I'm not gonna participate in this fake reality but if you want to come join me in like my reality that's great like <laughs> let's have an uncomfortable conversation but yeah so it blows my mind how like it like for other 
people i mean it's not for it's more difficult for me to not talk about it for but for mm-hmm. other people it's like it's so difficult to stick it out for 20 minutes and just talk about it right and just like right address it (laughs) well I think because like they've never been validated or they've been shut down or like the Mm. response to that like that's that's gotta be I mean I don't believe in nature versus nurture I think it's like it's just a percentage of both but it's gotta be a learned protective mechanism right like they've you don't you're not born like as a baby you are like expressing your needs and then like depending on how people respond to those needs that's how you learn how to bring up needs in the future so yeah I'm not gonna cut you off keep going no no no. (laughs) I'm so I'm so happy my mom has her little we call it my mom's name is Shanna we call it Shanna land and she does too (laughs) so I can say this but so I'm so happy that she has her little Shanna land but I don't want to live in Shanna land so then I'm going through therapy. I'm going through my social work program. And so I'm just like bringing things up consistently, like in our family chat or like when we FaceTime or like just like these different things, like I'm just bringing up these comments and I'm learning how to express myself in a more tactful, empathetic way throughout this. So there were a good number of years where like nobody else in my family really likes confrontation. And so I'm the only one bringing up the problems. So then like, I'm like, quote unquote, the problem child. And so, but I'm like bringing up my siblings problems too, because they don't want to talk about it, but it's a problem. So then I talk about it. You're just the messenger of Ben. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> I'm just the messenger. So there were a good number of years, like almost my entire duration of undergrad, where either through family texts in the family group chat or calls with my mom or visits with my mom, where I was initiating a lot of these um, like deeper conversations, processing conversations. And there was a lot of resistance to that and a lot of hurt feelings in that. And at one point I like went no contact with my mom for a little bit because I was just setting my boundaries and it was not a safe relationship for me emotionally at that point. So there were a lot of years where there were a lot of hard conversations and a lot of hard feelings to navigate through. And then when I moved out here to Oregon, There were just a couple of phone calls where I was like, I like I cannot have this relationship with you with all of this underlying like resentment on my part and like assumptions on your part. And like we're both walking on eggshells around each other and like we keep hurting each other's feelings and I'm not going to participate in a relationship like that. Like I can't do it. So something's got to change and like whatever. And I think at some point in there. Um, and also in this, I think important too, is like, I like, she's doing her own growth. She's doing her own mental health recovery and she is doing phenomenal. And I'm so, so proud of her throughout all of this. Like, I understand how hard that all of this is for her. So reiterating that as well, and just making it very clear that like, these are my boundaries. This is not a personal attack. And at one point we had a call where she like did apologize to me and that was great. And there was a lot of repair work there, but she wasn't quite getting it. And then just like various different conversations where I was like, this, like this and this and this. And I think, and I think, and just kind of repeating myself and like going through the motions of explaining myself again, because I think that I don't think that people don't want to listen. I think a lot of time people are not ready to hear what you have to say. And so I think that repetition is important for relationship repair if you are still choosing to participate in that relationship. Um, And then at one point, it like came out that she was like, well, like, I just it's not that I don't believe you. It's just that that's not how I see your childhood. Like, I think you had a pretty charmed childhood. And I was like, oh, good Lord. Wow. <laughs> woman. Well, because she she's an Enneagram 9. She rose color right. glasses all of history. And I so I sat and I walked her through literally like my earliest memory of like witnessing like domestic violence between my parents 
into like all of like basically gave her like a trauma reunion tour and (laughs) and and that was a point where it like clicked for her and she's like oh like that memory that you shared would have been when you were two and I was like yeah dude and my life that I remember that yeah like my life has not been easy friend yeah (laughs) and wait sorry can I um ask something really quick so Mm -hmm. when you uh kind of spell everything out for her really crystal Mm -hmm. clear the shitty parts yeah but it you know (laughs) yes um, of of your childhood like to her how how did she see those events well you know like or did she just forget it yes yeah she just like doesn't remember it and like i because it's one thing to downplay it and yeah oh he just like lightly you know whatever but like yeah yeah no and there hasn't been any of that and that like that's the like it's not that like it's never been that like I'm crazy but it has been like I'm dramatic you know in a way like Like, there's never been a yeah there's never been like a denial of my reality but definitely like doesn't remember the things that I do and that's a common theme in my life like I have a triple cancer placement in my astrology chart so like what does that mean yes okay well in this context the next conversation we're having I'm coming in with notes like I'm gonna do all my all my tests (laughs) we can come in and talk about it yes well in this context um cancers have like ironclad memories and it is just bizarre like the detail that they remember like yeah it's crazy it's a blessing and a curse but and my mom is just not like my mom is just not that person who like holds memories in that way so after this conversation it was definitely a turning point and like we definitely have had like a better relationship but we're at the point now where there's still some underlying stuff that we're both trying to navigate and we like have this same conversation over and over and over again and there's just like not really a solution and I'm comfortable with where our relationship is with the boundaries that I have put up she would like to be closer I'm open to that but only if she makes some changes like going to seek a professional opinion of like Mm -hmm. about her feelings towards me and like different things like that like I have my boundaries in place but I think that I don't even remember exactly what the original question is, but I will say, like you said, you said it's so hard to have those conversations. And I and I get that feedback from my support system too. like my friends that I'm literally like sending screenshots to are like, oh, my God, I could never have this talk with my mom. And I I just never, ever stop trying to, like, provide that bid for connection, and I don't do it in this, like, sit down, like, like, this is a big, heavy conversation. Like, I just kind of, like, whenever something feels off to me, I'm just like, hey, like, this feels weird. This is how I interpret it here. Like, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't think that that's your intention, but, like, because I care so much about our bond, like this is, I want to be in communication with you about this stuff. And I don't ever really let up on that. And it's not like I'm waiting for my mom to like fail. And it's not like I'm not like, I'm doing that every single time I feel uncomfortable or triggered. But like, for the last six years, that has been my commitment to trying to repair this relationship It's just to be very, like communicative and honest and like center it on like the experience that we're both having outside of blaming one another and never like stopping trying to extend that olive branch if you will I I really like that you're always trying to frame the situation as like an us versus Mm -hmm. a problem thing Mm -hmm. rather than like you did me wrong and mm-hmm. so you know now you're at this point where like your expectation is oh my mom has to prove me to me 
that she wants to, you know, be continue to be part of your life. Yeah. Which it yeah, yeah. which it, it doesn't seem that way. And that's like incredibly hard to do. Like given what you've been through, you have every reason to close your heart and just literally like not talk you know or not even not talk I, I get like there's family events and stuff but like keep your distance but the fact that you're still despite everything like still like you said extending that olive branch and continuously trying to be patient and trying to make things better like where does that come from yeah it's yeah well I just like my mom as a person you know like I don't think like you don't ever... believe she's fundamentally bad or she no, meant anything. No, no, no. And even beyond that, like, I just like I would be friends with my mom. Like, I love. That. I would be friends with the good parts of my mom. Like, she is so funny. She is so, like, she's so strong. Like, she's so get like just giving. Like, will be anywhere, do anything for anyone. Like she just like, like her values are something that like I admire and some, we have shared values. Like I just, I like my mom. And so it's not like out of obligation. Like I don't, and there are days and times that I feel obligated out of being the daughter, like the mother daughter relationship. But I think that like, I think it's two really big things. Number one, I like my mom. But number two, I know what being bonded with her feels like. Like I know how amazing and incredible and like worthy I feel in that relationship with her. And so I think having had that at one point, I don't think that you ever get back there. I think people grow and evolve, but like know my body and brain knows that that bond is possible and so I think that that is easy for me to hope for and put the work into okay yeah that that makes sense and I do recognize that it is coming to 3 30 yes. so I do want to yes. ask one last thing before yes. we close off this has been an amazing conversation <laughs> um but I wanted to ask that is escaping my mind right now Oh, I do remember. Okay. <laughs> Have you come to this place where if this dynamic of like you going to, you know, having to repair this for the rest of your life mm -hmm. um, and this dynamic is just, you know, it's just always going to be here because I mm -hmm. think it's very difficult to, you know, really get back to what you once yeah. had. Um, Have you kind of reach that place of acceptance and be like okay if I have to do this for the rest of my life that's okay and I'll just keep doing it yeah well my my boundaries are so clear to me and I have communicated those so clearly to my family that like I understand the relationship that I'm acting in I understand how far I'm willing to go like my family understands my boundaries because I've communicated those and I've communicated the reasons behind those so where I'm operating in is just very true to to what I need right now and I think that there's room for evolution in that as I grow and continue to do my own work. But I'm very content with where my boundaries are now. I think that the desire, the shared desire between my mom and I would both be to repair and work towards this stronger bond. And I'm hopeful for that. But I'm also very equipped and okay with operating within my boundaries in the present moment as well. And that's the balance we all need. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Joe. This was yes. fantastic. And I'm really glad we did this. Yeah, Maybe me just, too. <laughs> just to the hour. Yes. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And do you want to plug your podcast before oh, we yeah. close out? I would love to. I would love to. And we're going to have you on there too. So everybody can be looking out for that episode. But we are Tricky Existence, the podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple, Apple Podcasts um, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also find us on Instagram, 
and TikTok and Twitter at Tricky Existence as well. Yeah, go follow them because life is tricky enough. <laughs> it's so <laughs> tricky. We need all the mental health like resources that we yes, need. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. You as well. Bye. Wait, before you go, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, it'd be super awesome if you could just take, you know, 10 seconds just to give it a nice rating and review. It really, really does help get the word out on the show. Also, come say hi to me on Instagram at stranger turned friend. All right. Have a good day. Bye bye.